CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called The Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash cinemasins. I kind of play like uh, Statler and Waldorf, uh, a little bit of the movie at times, too. Mm-hmm. Like those two guys. Oh, yeah. And the movie isn't even really interested in letting us know who they are, which I yeah. think is hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by goddamn near everybody that's right <laughs> no nah, uh it's uh we got barrett share we've got jonathan Watkins, and we've got aaron dicer all from the things that we do <laughs> Hello. and uh, today we're going to be doing a mini pod of the trial of the chicago seven the new aaron sorkin movie uh that is on netflix right now um where do we want to start on this one where to start uh well it's Aaron Sorkin and Aaron Sorkin right writer director it you know, is. at the time it's he's done this his Molly's game which we all like right yeah mm-hmm. yeah very much um, um yeah uh I will say right off the bat that Aaron Sorkin the director gets in the way of Aaron Sorkin the writer and he's done this the last two times Agreed. I uh, totally agree. Molly's Game has a lot of indulgences in it. That I, I love Molly's Game, and I love me some poker and some gambling and all that. But uh, there's something about the, the way he goes about the that movie that's like, you could have trimmed this, you could have trimmed that. And in this movie, it's even worse, possibly. Oh, interesting. Uh, I think it's better, this movie. But oh, my God, there's so many things that he needs to cut out of this movie. So many. Um, uh, I don't know how many times that we have to know that, uh, you know, that this judge is awful and like he keeps giving the same ruling about the same thing over and over and over again. I don't know why we need that. It seems like to me it's pretty well established early on that we don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, and and it's almost like it's almost like look i i feel like there should be a lot of bobby seal in this movie there should be more story there should be he should be told he's not a part of the seven that's in this this title Mm -hmm. um but man how many times do we have to hear i don't have my lawyer i don't have my i want my lawyer i want this and that how many times we gotta hear that I, I thought that was handled about the appropriate amount of times. You think? Um, yeah, I do because because he's really developing. And in fact, if you look at the uh, the real life case, this judge was apparently even worse. Like, yeah, just oh, really, even yeah. crazier and even more racist. And you know, the stuff that I read at least. And so Sorkin's actually kind of dialing him back. Uh, I think because you know, in a movie, it would seem you know too scenery chewing to, to make <laughs> exactly. him that real or whatever. Exactly, but. Uh, but yeah, because especially the Bobby Seal part, like that has to be such a primary part of especially the first, you know, uh, half to three quarters of this trial. And so, yeah, understanding that lawyer thing, I think, drives a little bit of the tension. You know, there's a there's a moment early on. Well, I guess we don't want to get into spoilers, but uh, for a historical uh, movie. But, Wait, I um, think we could let me stop you right there. I think we could probably get into spoilers throughout this. This is a real thing that happened 
And I don't think we sh- we need to keep anything secret, do we? I, I don't know. I was just, you know, sometimes moments. I don't want to know moments yeah, until I, mean, I, I guess, in the movie. I guess that if you don't know the story of this, the, the way Sorkin tells it, there are revelations uh, about what's going on. Okay. And, and, okay. and everything. Ignore my me. point anyway. is, my point is, is that you, I don't think you had to do it as many times as you did. I think you could do a couple of things at the beginning. And then at the, at, when the trial gets on to try, you know, day 190 or whatever, that's when you can say it once again. And you can be like, as a viewer, you can say, oh my God, 190 days, he still doesn't have his own lawyer and they're still treating him like this. It feels like I've I got that down. It's not the only thing in this movie too, by the way, sure. that does that over and over and over again. Uh, getting the names wrong, you know, he keeps getting the names wrong. You keep, um, but anyway, there's there are some other indulgences in here that we'll get to that you know that that are really like this is where sorkin gets in his like gets bad at times uh uh especially at the end of this movie um so um but anyway for this is what this is how this is what i i liked i liked all the performances in this movie Mm -hmm. um uh, eddie redmayne uh pulls off a great like a different kind of an american accent in this, mm-hmm. that you know that uh, a lot of the, the 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 British people come over, they don't do like an <laughs> accent. They do a they do this stock thing, which is what Sasha Baron Cohen's doing in this movie. Um, has a stock kind of an American accent and everything. Um, uh, but I, but I like Sasha Baron Cohen a lot in this. Uh, he's he's one of the highlights. Eddie Redmayne's great. Jeremy Strong has become one of my favorite actors. <laughs> Uh, he's a goddamn trip in this movie he is jeremy strong has become one of my favorite actors he's in succession he's in uh, the big short um he's in a lot of he's in a lot of stuff but uh he's become one of my favorite people God. to watch when, when he's when he's asking if the if the fbi agent asked about him I was dying. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. I thought that's something. I had a thing. Thought- I'm so sorry. I'll do that again. <laughs> what? I was like, where are you? Where are you going with this? No, I had all of a sudden this thing popped up. It was saying your mic's turned off, and I didn't. It was just it caught me off guard. So I got. I thought. I, I thought you guys didn't hear me all of a sudden. No, I was. I was sitting there anticipating what you were going <laughs> to say next, anyway, and I was like, yeah, FBI guy, right? When he, but when he's asking, what he or no, he's not asking. He's asking. Um, he's asking Joseph Gordon-Levitt, right? I think he's mm-hmm. asking if she ever asked about him. I just that, that scene yeah, was yeah, just yeah. genuinely great. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and I think in general, if I'm picking up your vibe, Chris, I think I, I enjoyed this a lot more than you. I, I really did love this movie. Um, but I those kind of moments are just it's what I love about Sorkin. Just the way he writes moments, the way he writes characters' dialogue, the way you know the verbal uh, sparring that goes on. And there's just I watched it a second time recently, and uh, I was I found myself looking forward to oh yeah this is where this happened oh yeah this is where this guy says this. And there's just something about Sorkin movies where that rewatchability factor is just like amped all the way up. And um, yeah, I think this one I think this one's better than Molly's Game um, because I think he's more able to focus in on the story he wants to tell. Molly's Game was a bit messy. You could tell it was kind of the first time he he had 
you know, um, control over the directing part of it, but I think he's getting better and I I'm excited to, to continue to see if he, if he can get out of his own way, like you say, completely. And, it definitely uh, and isn't his, it definitely isn't the the dialogue in the back and forth that i would take issue with yeah yeah in this movie yeah i'm talking fun. about some other things that we'll get to but oh no totally uh, especially the end i i you know the end is my I mean, main come on i i would I, I just i just nearly in my head nearly just slammed the table when yep. that fucking shit happened at the end yep um uh but um uh, so, so I guess what do we want to do a little bit of background on this at all? It's a, it's about uh, seven people who are uh, who are from three different uh, groups. Um, one, the the uh, what is it? The Tom Hayden is his Tom Hayden is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's he's a part of what is that? Is it's a democratic society of some sort? Um, yeah, there's a, it's what is the what is the uh, group's name? It's the uh, the president of the he's the president of the students for a democratic society. BSDS. Yeah, and so yeah, so you have you have him, and then you have uh, like Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin are both part of these yippies, mm-hmm. this yippies group, and then you have the Black Panthers that are involved that that are in this, but they're not they weren't arrested for the same thing. They were all basically arrested to. And they, as they say, it's a political trial, but nobody who's official wants to call it a, a political trial, even though that's what it completely is. Um, and they want to be made an example of and everything. I do like how there's a point where they point to two of the guys who aren't even like really a part of anything. They, and there's a, they want to make examples of us, the people who are visible and the two of you, they're going to, they're going to say are not guilty so that they can look good. Uh, later and say that they're being fair about everything and yeah these two other guys are just kind of like why are we even here <laughs> yep. you know they kind of play like uh statler and waldorf uh, a little bit of the movie at times too like those two guys. oh yeah and the movie isn't even really interested in letting us know who they are which i yeah. think is hilarious <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they it, it all is these three different factions of people want to come to chicago and they want to they want to march they want to uh have a you know a basically a festival of love and lights and uh <laughs> things like that uh and uh and uh the, and it just so happens that they all sort of converge uh, around is it Lincoln Park is where they end up no it's uh, it's Grant Park in Chicago and and they're specifically there to to protest the war in front of the Democratic National Convention which was held at the Hilton that maybe you stayed at one time uh, right there across from the uh, Michigan Avenue from the, the park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the, it, because there's this whole, like, you know, this idea that these protesters might go in and, and, uh, and uh, like, you know, start some real violent trouble and everything. That's when like the Chicago army, is brought in, uh, mm-hmm. basically, uh, and uh, and uh, and then the whole question is whether who started it first, right? The the protesters or the or the police. The movie has a kind of an ambiguous um, uh, answer to that, right? Don't- uh, I don't think it's very ambiguous. There's a moment, especially uh, and by, we, haven't, we haven't mentioned Michael Keaton yet, but Michael Keaton yeah, has but a moment that disambiguizes it. If I'm going to tell word, you, I'm going to tell bit. you what, guys, you guys may have have come at the end of this going, oh yeah, we've definitely solved this at the end. But I, I think 
I think that the way this movie's portrayed, I was confused as to who actually started all of this. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. Um, because of the way the way they they did this, and I rewound that part where they're talking about you know you know the the speech that happens and everything. Uh, and I was just like, wait a minute, what are they saying? Well, I don't, I don't know what, I, I must have missed something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, um, I, do we want to just go ahead and like grade it and go to spoilers? Or yeah, what? let's do that. Sure. And Jonathan, do you have anything to say before we get into spoilers? Um, no, I mean, I guess I can, I can go first and grade it if you want. I'll just say that I thought this movie was very entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, I was never like bored or anything. I, I had a really fun time watching this. I think this is a movie I'll be able to watch multiple times in my future. Um, like Aaron was just pointing out a lot of that though. Just Aaron Sorkin's dialogue always just slays me. Mm -hmm. And uh, God, Mark, Mark Rylance, who we haven't even said, I mean, there's so many good performances in this movie, yeah. right? So uh, Mark Rylance might be my favorite. Mm -hmm. uh, um, he's just, and I don't know that I've, I mean, I saw Bridge of Spies, so I guess I have seen him, but I just, I don't know. He just, he absolutely blew me away. Um, I did like Sasha Baron Cohen, who I rarely like. Um, so that was fun. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is also someone I typically don't like that much, but I, I enjoyed him here. I will say his character, um, talk about uh, not really being ambiguous. I thought his character was, really confusing uh hmm. like hmm. his motivations and why he was doing what he was doing we can get more than that in spoilers i guess but uh no i mean it was a it was a super entertaining movie i, I give it a b plus hmm. all right nice uh i can go next uh i am currently hovering between an a and an a minus um the end is i think enough for me to go down to an a minus uh i've i've wrestled with this a lot for 90 percent of this movie i'm in an a and just loving it and having a great time, enjoying the performances, love what it has to say. And then the end that we shall talk about uh, here in a bit, um, just my eyes started rolling. And I'm like, wait, my eyes haven't been rolling this entire movie. Why are you making my eyes roll now? Uh, so, so yeah, so the end brings it down a little bit my, for me. So my I'm thing though, minus. I'll say with the B plus though, the reason I can't quite get to an A, because an A or A minus to me would be like for a story, that, that's social network, that's... That's a few good men. This this movie doesn't get there, especially yeah. because of that ending. But that that's that's the only reason I I took it down a little bit. Yeah, that's the Pixar problem, right? Like mm. when you have so yeah. many good movies, you don't, yeah. you don't know how to, to rate the okay yeah. ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'm gonna pretty much echo what uh, Aaron said. For me, the beginning of this movie is a little more problematic. Uh, the end is the end. Whatever. Uh, but it was, it was just muddled at the beginning. There was too much being thrown at me. And I think that's an example of what Chris was saying of Sorkin, the director getting in the way of Sorkin, the screenwriter, uh, at least to me, but the rest of the performances, the rest of the interactions, the rest of, uh, the, I, I, I quite liked interspersing the riot footage, the actual riot footage with the, uh, the, the staged version uh, so this is absolutely an A for me. I, I wow. love this and I will watch it many, 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 many times. I, I thought you disliked this movie because almost always when you say, I want a mini pod, I've got stuff to say. It's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love this movie. This is, you're, you're right. It, there's a rewatchability, Aaron, to, that's the same to me as uh, a few good men and social network wow. and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not ready to put this movie in that 
echelon, but I could see myself watching this over and over and over again. There's certain personal things to me. This was a Chicago movie. There's mm-hmm. certain timeliness to this movie, uh, given where we are as a, a society here uh, in 2020. Uh, so yeah, this, this hit home in my brain and my heart and, uh, my belly button. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give this a B. Um, the, the performances are great. I don't think this movie's anywhere near, uh, and we can't, I don't grade this based on the fact that it's not social network or, mm-hmm. or a few good men or anything. I just think that the movie is a B and I think that, and, and I, I have been wrong before, but I think this movie's forgettable in the end. Um, I think it's going to be one of those five years from now. I'm going to be like, what happened in that movie? Um, and, uh, and, uh, and it, it goes with a lot of that with biopics for me because, uh, it's, uh, it's not a, I don't know. There's the, it's, there's, there was nothing in here. There's, there might be dialogue, dialogue moments that we can chew into and everything, uh, but, uh, and the, but it just, there was, to me, there wasn't anything, there was no major events that happened in this that I, that I find particularly memorable. It's, um, it's a trial movie. And uh, what I'm going to take out of this is that Frank Langella is playing a big old asshole. That's all I'll, <laughs> that's all I'm going to remember about this. I think now, five years from now, who knows? I'll be like, Hey guys. You remember Trial of Chicago 7? That movie's really good. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Um, Here's my hot take in 2025. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, but for now, for now, it, it was one of those movies that just didn't stay with me. After I watched, I watched this two days ago, and I was sitting there going, okay, what happened here? What was this? What was that? And I was like, oh, wait a minute. And then I remembered, started remembering things that irritated me about the movie. Uh, more than what more than stuff that I actually liked about the movie. So I planned on watching this again as well, just before this, but I ran out of time, ran out of the clock. So uh, right now I'm at a B and I think that's a good grade for this movie. Uh, let's go on to the so-called spoilers. No spoilers! Miss Luke's what? father is actually Darth Vader. She's, She's the sister and the She's daughter. They just no, 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 no. I'm reading the books. There were two things that I brought up, and maybe you guys can, uh, you know, uh, uh, tell me. Uh, so the the ending of the the towards the end, um, the, you know, Michael Keaton, who was the former Attorney General uh, under Lyndon Johnson, they mm-hmm. they did a they did an investigation of this, and they found out that the Chicago police were definitely the ones who started this riot. Um, and I have no problem with that, that, uh, that idea, but then when it gets to the speech, when, uh, Hayden is up there and he wants to say our blood is spilled on the streets, but then he says, if he says, if blood is spilled on the streets, is there, what is, what was the, what was the confusion there? I could, I didn't, was he supposed to say our blood? Or did yes. he say if blood? He was supposed to say our blood uh, because and he said if blood is spilled on the streets, then so it sounds like he's trying to incite everybody on the stage, and that's why I am wondering if the movie itself is saying, you know, yes, he said that, but that's not inciting a riot. I think uh, the movie is trying to say 
A, that he's referring specifically to uh, his buddy getting hit with the, the nightstick and bleeding all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I think that interaction between Abby Hoffman and, and Hayden later on, where they do clarify, he's saying, uh, he's supposed to be saying our blood, you do that all the time, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, and he, when he's on the stand, he says, he's, he's also been saying, I want to end the war, but the guns haven't stopped shooting. So it's not <laughs> like he's inciting this. The police preceded his, uh, his, a statement that says, you know, that looks like it's inciting. And that's why the tape is so damning in the court of public opinion. So what you're saying is didn't. the cops aren't even taking into account that his friend is getting, getting, be, getting, getting beaten there or whatever. He, he's not, they're not, they know that either they do know that he's referring to that and they're, and they're giving him a, uh, a misleading tape mm. or they didn't know that. And it just sounded like to them, like out on the grass listening to this, that this was, Hey, he's telling everybody to go after the cops yeah, and everything. Yeah. So that's where I was missing. That's where I was missing the thing. Cause the movie seems to be saying, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't have gotten to that point, but yeah, no, but, and, and the tape is damning and that's why he can't take the stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron, let me know if, if I'm getting this misinterpreted, but I think because if you hear that out of context, like uh, Hoffman says, you know, uh, he quotes the Bible verse and he says, you can you can take anything out of context. Uh, but it was preceded by his buddy getting whacked with a nightstick, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so, yeah, I think the movie, in my mind, is saying that, no, the police are to blame, but this tape does exist. And if you take it out of context, it's going to be, you know, a legally uh, shitty for your case. <laughs> it is interesting, the- though, because. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I think the um, the issue uh, that we're we're working around is I think the movie has a very clear point of view about yeah. what happened. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think the movie it gets explicit about how it happened. And so there's there's a little bit of not necessarily yada yadaing, but um, when when literally push comes to shove, we don't necessarily you know see exactly how it all goes down but we throughout the movie are given signals of flashbacks of cops taking off their badges so they can you know beat people up we you know have the the michael keaton thing that you mentioned so i think the movie's clear point of view is that a police state around this democratic convention is the reason there was violence in in bloodshed Uh, i think that is the movie's opinion um, and I, I don't think that's in doubt. What I think might be in doubt, Chris, and maybe what, what you're dealing with is, you know, the actual events of how it transpired get a little muddy there at the end, at least for me. No, I, I, I totally agree that the movie itself is saying that. But they mm-hmm. right after that, right after Michael Keaton is on the stand, they do this confusing thing with him saying the wrong word. And then trying to follow what Abby Hoffman is saying about his writing, I, I didn't. I had no idea what the fuck he was talking. I, about. I also think the movie presents that what the wrong word thing in a really, really weird way. I, it's almost like they're trying to make that a twist. I mean, they are definitely yeah. trying to make that a twist, and that doesn't really make any sense because the. Uh, I'm sorry. What is uh, what is the character's name? Tom Hayden. Mm-hmm. Tom Hayden would have told him that. Tom Hayden would have said, "No, I meant to say this." Like in a in a real conversation, you know, mm-hmm. cause it's not like, I mean, Hayden knew what he meant to say. So the idea that Hoffman had to like bring that to light 
was really odd when Hayden was being questioned. We just watched Hayden get questioned for five minutes. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. In an authentic real world way, it is very odd. In a movie way, it's very satisfying because we have been given this, this entire, well, in this entire movie, we have been given the uh, dissension between Hoffman and Hayden. It really is kind of the primary conflict of the movie is they have different ways of approaching how to get peace, of how to make a message. And the fact that Hoffman is the one that comes to his defense at the end because of his intelligence, because of Hoffman's intelligence uh, is is really satisfying in a narrative way. Uh, and I think I think Sorkin's doing a, you know, a pretty uh, standard movie trick there to, you know, have those characters. No, I, 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 but I think it is. But I think. I think if you do that well, it's not as obvious as as Sorkin made it. I don't know. There's something the the, the last like 15, 20 minutes of this movie are very. That's where I start losing. That's where it starts losing points for me. We should of we many should. The Michael Keaton character is a problem too because they even present this as like you know Joseph Gordon Levin in that moment actually brings up really good points that nobody taught that nobody even addresses where he's like you know he could be he could just be trying to, you know, diminish the current administration because he doesn't like them. And that's very possible that that's the case. And that would have been interesting to, to look into. He also, um, what is it? He says, um, God damn it. I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, Levitt says, cause they were saying, well, he, you know, they came to the, they came to the, uh, they decided that it was the fault of the Chicago, Chicago police. And then Levitt says, but the current administration is the one investigating this, which is true. And so I don't the I, Keaton's testimony probably wouldn't be allowed. Well, like, they had I, already I run an investigation under the Johnson administration. Yeah, they, but they said the, the trial is based on that. I mean, I'm just saying that's a fair point, though, that he brings up. Legally. I mean, that would be relevant information if the previous yeah. att- Justice Department. I don't know. Had well, I'm talking determined about legally. That, I I agree with legally. You. Yeah, I agree with you that it it would be, but. I don't know that Levitt's wrong as far as the way the legal system works. No, well, I don't know. that's it's what just... I love about Levitt's character. Is it Gordon Levitt? It's Gordon Levitt because it's hyphenated, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. That's what I love about his character is that I think he's clear cut as possible. He's like the Jack character, the Kevin Bacon character in mm-hmm. A Few Good Men. He's in a bind. He has to do his job, but he doesn't believe that his that they're guilty of anything, but he still has to do his job and he's going to fight like hell to do it. I agree, but it's, it's handled better in a few good men. I I think if Levitt didn't stand up at the end of the movie, that's the part that gets me where I, I kind of like, I don't get this character at all because I just don't believe that character would have stood up. I actually, that's the only part of the end. I like, uh, when he gives honor to the reading of the names, uh, I think that is valuable character work that's going on there because he has been all along the persons that's, that's like, I don't like these guys. I don't agree with what they're doing politically. I'm on the other side of them, but I am going to try to be a man of integrity about the, the law process and actually do my job, but at the same time, be respectful of the process. And so that to me is like the culmination of his character. I don't, I don't uh, think yeah, the movie, this, earned, me, I don't think the movie earns that moment I'm with, at all. I'm with Jonathan on this. This is the in and out moment where everybody stands up and says, I'm gay, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The movie, it is, it's not it the is Spartacus so moment. Ridiculous it's the in, and out like moment. in and out moment, not Spartacus. Yeah. Yeah. But, Spartacus, you could agree, is not ridiculous. And in and out exactly, is. exactly. There's a difference. Let's have a line here. Um, the 
but everything else about how that moment is handled is so schmaltzy. And, you know, the, the, the little kid uh, with his dad, you know, uh, is just, it's eye rolling. And do, I mean, here's the question. Do we really need slow clap moments anymore in movies? Like, like, aren't we past that? Can't we feel it without that? Or do they still work ever? Because I just, you know, when's the last time one worked, you know? This one? I don't know. <laughs> it worked for you. The end worked for you. Of course. I mean, I mean, look, let's just... Uh, <laughs> We know that shit didn't happen. That's the, that's my, that's, it seems so false when he starts reading those names up. Now, look, great, great moment, like movie moment, right? He's reading out the names. This is why we did this. They said that way off in the early part of the movie. Um, but, but when he, he starts rattling that off, and then I'm just like, Langella is back there. I, I couldn't stop looking at him during this entire scene when, He's reading these names out. He's like slamming that gavel. Yeah. He's like, maybe the he's worst like, part of it. Come yeah. on, you know what? How in the world is someone is is someone in this courtroom going to be able to restore order? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I will say if my if my memory is correct, and it may not be, but I I did do a lot of uh you know diving into the trial itself afterwards. I think the reading of the names is a moment that happened in the trial. However, it happened like in the middle of the trial. It wasn't the end. It wasn't like, it, it was a moment where I think pretty much how it's presented in the movie where he was told, you know, to succinctly say something. And instead he started reading the names, you know, of those. One thing that I read, so they never got to that. Like they never, mm, interesting. they had a, they had a, they wanted to uh, memorialize, but they didn't. They couldn't get to it. They they wanted to. They just I, didn't. I don't mind him reading the names, though. I think that's kind of a nice moment because, like Chris said, they kind of they mentioned that a couple of times. I mean, they foreshadow it. So I don't have a problem with that. But I I just wish that's where it ends. Like maybe while he's reading the names, that's when you they go to each character and you see what they what they ended up doing or whatever but you don't have all the people in the background standing up you don't have joseph gordon levitt i don't i don't know or you and you definitely don't have frank langella doing his bullshit whacking on a table i mean you mentioned slow clap moments the end of a few good men which we all love Mm -hmm. is the you don't have to wear a badge on your uh your shoulder to have honor and he's like there's an officer on deck that's as smalty as as fucking gets man but yeah i still love that movie it's still that's still that's still a nicer moment than this though i, I don't know why I, that is that is cheesy though i agree uh i it's a time article that that i read that says it happened on vietnam uh moratorium day was being observed by millions of americans uh that day the defendants attempted to place uh, american and south vietnamese flags side by side on the defense table judge hoffman unsurprisingly demanded they take them down uh and he Whatever dis- decoration there is in the courtroom will be furnished by the government, and I think things look all right in this courtroom. Uh, very few of the soldiers' names were said aloud before the judge cut off uh, the mm. endeavor. Well, I mean, and, and you know, look, it, it, the fact is, in this movie, he Eddie Redmayne is sitting there allowed to say the the right. names right. over yeah. and over, like nobody, like I guess the I guess all the bailiffs and everybody were like, I should be respectful too, you know. And, and <laughs> did um did Hoffman and Ruben really wear judges? Cloaks? Yes, that really happened. that really happened. Yeah, yes. Fun. Um. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, there were, there were some other, now, look, like I said, performances in this are great. I like the message. I like, uh, I like, I like a lot of things about this, but I keep coming back to things that I don't like the, um, the, I hate it when they're going back and they're doing flashbacks 
and they'll show the footage of what's going, what went on at the park. And then they'll intercut it with people talking about what was happening. And then like, they'll go to Abby Hoffman doing his stand-up routine, like for like a couple of seconds. And it's like, I don't need to hear what you were fucking saying during to tell the story give me one source for the story please or like just just tell the story in the flashback you don't have to keep coming back to people you know you know i know this is uh, something that worked really well with the social network but i don't think they had to go to a stand-up comedian in the middle of it you know to, to, to like to like fill in like patches of the story like they did in this one it was annoying it was annoying to me every time that it happened I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, of course you I, did. I know. I know. It's weird. I mean, everybody's got, you know, everybody's got a, a taste, a thing. Uh, but he does, for me, he, it's it's breaking up the typical way movies do exposition. And, like, he has this exposition cocktail thing that he does that I, it just works for me. I just, I just like how he, you know, because there's a momentum to it for me where it's like, it feels like something's happening, even though I'm just being exposited at. Exactly. Know? And the Five score helps that though. too. Like the score starts because it's, it's the score is non-existent for a lot of this movie, especially in the courtroom scenes. But once they start in on the multiple sources of the flashbacks, the score starts moving and everything. And like you, Aaron, this, this worked very, very well for me. I love the standup bits because you, you saw how Hoffman was able to, grab this audience and make a tragic thing where people are getting beaten down and, and gassed and stuff like that, make it into a comedy routine until he gets to the, I need a second moment. When he's uh, allowed to speak is, for a long amount of time, I'm fine with it. But in the middle of it where they're just like, like you're, you're going back and forth between footage and people talking footage and people talking. And then just for five seconds and then they went over and did this and blah, blah. And then it's like, I, I, it just, it's too much. It's too much at that point. Give me just him for a while. Or, you know, it's, there's just too many sources being thrown at you all at once. That's all and my favorite, my favorite standup routines are uh, when comedians are just giving exposition. That's always <laughs> yeah. really funny. If they can do it, if they can make it funny, it yeah. works for me. I mean, Lenny Bruce was able to do that, right? No, sure that's true. And I, I don't know what Hoffman did. I don't know. I don't know what his, you know, his, his standup things were, but that was just funny to me. But no, I, I'm, like I'm kind of on some, I think I'm somewhere in between. I, I like I like when movies try if they have to have exposition. I like when they try to do different things to present it that way. But it also I don't know maybe it's just Sorkin's done this so many times it's starting to feel almost uh, complacent and <laughs> yeah you know I, I don't know to me it's almost like Michael Bay exposition. That's how that's how rapid fire that shit. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> the the you know like I was I think of a a, a bit of a scene in Armageddon where they're they're teaching the guys how they're going to fly and they're learning all the G forces and shit. We're going to flip you. And they show the plane flip and then we're going to do this. And then they show the plane, do that. And then it's like, we're going to do this. And it's like, fucking a man. God damn it. Just stay on one fucking thing. Just one, like, a, 
for at least 10 seconds. It's not I really, it's not I really can't. Comparison. That's not a, I yeah. like, you know, Aaron Sorkin really is kind of the Michael Bay of language in some ways. Like he loves words like Bay loves explosions. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. that's not bad. I just, I, I just don't know. Like I, I really, and once again, I feel like I already, after I said, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm just, I'm just taking negative slants at it, but I'm not, I don't mean to. I mean, I really did enjoy this movie, but I don't know that I like Aaron Sorkin that much as a director. I just don't know yet. Cause sure. Molly's game suffered. Molly's game was too long. This was mm-hmm. at least a little shorter than Molly's. Not that much though, but this one didn't feel as long, I guess. Agree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a there's going to be a process with him. I mean, he's he's yeah. obviously like learning that that uh, you know how to make a full length feature and everything, and and maybe maybe at one point he'll figure out, oh, I don't need this or that, and I can you know trim it and make it make it paste a little bit better. Um, you yeah. know, this but is supposed like he's, to be. He's not, he's not bad. I just I just don't know if I I just like his. I mean, just his writing is what is stands out i agree this was supposed to have been originally directed by steven spielberg Mm -hmm. uh, he was going to write the screenplay and spielberg was attached to it he's still attached to it he's an uncredited uh ep i think uh but uh that would have been really something to see uh that may have been like a return to form for spielberg because this was in developmental hell for a long time uh and uh sorkin kept at it and he basically just said Ah, fuck it. I'll just do it myself. Tell you, tell you what, at this point, I'd rather have Aaron Sorkin direct. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't argue with that. Yeah, may, you know, we, I always root for Spielberg to have a return to form, but uh, I don't think this movie would have done it. Can we talk about the, specifically the performances? Um, you're, I think everybody's on board with the performances here. Rylance, even though there's a touch of his Ready Player One performance creeping in on this, well, he's, he's still really good. He's been doing that since uh, Bridge of Spies. He's got yeah. that very kind and very like unassuming, you know, sound to him. Um, I totally and, forgot he was in Ready Player One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so you know, it's it's not it, it's not surprising that he's playing this character. Yeah. I love the hair, but that, he does that, he does play it off choice. very well. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't let his frustration, which I mean, it's hopeless. Everybody knows that it's hopeless every step of the way in this in this trial, but he doesn't let his frustration boil over, except for maybe a couple of times. And he'll he'll rephrase something, even though it's just like this judge is being ridiculous. I think Frank Langella was fantastic as as the judge, as oh, yeah. crazy as he was. But man, you bring in Michael Keaton for the cleanup hitter, and he only has what you know, probably five minutes, six minutes of screen time. But my favorite part in this movie, besides maybe when Hoffman is on the stand, is you've got to find some courage. And then he stands up to the justice department and he looks over and he's like, found some. It's like, they came and told me that if I said anything, you know, whoever would, you know, take me down. So I wanted them to be in the room so I could tell it, you know, I can tell them to fuck off basically. And then I'll, when do you need me or whatever, you yeah. know, it's just so he amazing. Corrects him oh. to say, it's general Clark. <laughs> yeah. So all true. of the Michael Keaton stuff is great. The, the, you know, they call them in to talk to him at his house and he's got the other two, 
you know Nixon goons behind them, and and you know and it and it sound it seems like it's just going to go the wrong way, right? Like they're here to tell you that uh, you know they you're going to say anything that you you're going to say is going to be in front of them, blah blah blah, and you're like, oh man, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna do it, is he? And then he just kind of t- turns right around on yeah. him, flips it. Well, um, plus that's a, that's a great the, moment. That's kind of like the the Harvard. Uh, president you know in uh, in social network turning the tables on army hammer yeah <laughs> yeah the yeah. timeliness of this by the way is when he does get on the stand and he says well when you were working for lyndon johnson he was like i don't work for the president and then he keeps yeah. saying i don't work for the president and you have to believe that that was probably part of his testimony but god i think of how timely that is right now mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah, mm-hmm. no kidding. No, that's what uh, you know. That's what movies about different eras do, right? They they slip in uh, some modern sensibilities uh, to make it more relatable. And who knows if he actually said that? I didn't mm. work for the president or whatever. I mean, it's it is definitely a jab. You you can't take it any other way. That's it, there's a lot of this movie that reminds me of Black <clears throat> Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. In a way, uh, both the current footage and the, the the old footage and stuff like that, and how it's presented. Obviously, two very very different movies, but uh, it, there's there, there's a lot of overlapping content uh, content in those movies. I also mm-hmm. wanted to mention there's a few smaller roles too. John Carroll Lynch is yeah, really good in mm-hmm. this. He's like Jeremy Strong with Chris. John Carroll Lynch is becoming like one of my favorite, especially character actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Shankman's really good. Mm-hmm. as the as the other attorney i love that he has one of my favorite moments when uh they call out franklin jello for being racist so and good mm-hmm. he's like you're the first person that's ever done that and then ben shankman's like we'll make put it on record i'm the second <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. and um and then i don't know how to say uh, yaya, yaya Abdul Mateen, yeah. probably yeah. the best thing about aquaman um <laughs> honestly uh but uh he's he's excellent as bobby seal you know what it's it's really a shame we've gotten this far and we haven't pointed out any of the amazing female performances in this movie oh wait there are none that's right you know what yeah, yeah, the actually scared the shit out of me there because i was like oh yeah i'm forgetting about parker posey or something no not a single female perf- of of note in this movie no, it's, i mean it's like other than like the thing I, I, John Carpenter's the thing. I think I've never seen less of a female there is presence. The in the undercover, uh, correct? Yes, that is and, that and is. And she's one. very good. Yeah, yeah. she is. Yes. No, Yaya uh, Abdul Mateen the second. First of all, I loved him in Watchmen. That was uh, fantastic. Yep. I thought he was. I know this annoyed you, Chris, but the fact that he kept saying, "I, I have a lawyer." And the judge is like, well, yeah, there's one sitting next to you. And Rylance is like, just because I'm in proximity doesn't mean I have to represent somebody. Yeah, yeah, and He's yeah. saying over and over, I don't have my lawyer. I don't have my lawyer. This is an illegal trial. Mm-hmm. And I think having that said over and over again points to how ridiculous and how He's not heard. He's not heard mm-hmm. at all. He can say it until he's blue in the face. Judge isn't going to do anything until that moment where he's he's gagged and bound. And even in that moment, he's got this proud type of uh, demeanor. He's not beaten down or anything like that. This is like a strong dude. And he finally, and that speaks to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character's character in mm-hmm. that, you know, he finally says, dude, this ain't right. And, and that's where you see that he's a man of principle outside of that. 
I would have preferred just the, you know, I'm not saying, you know, a lot of times when we say, um, like, I think that happened too often, it's, I'm not going to be able to express myself the way I need to, but I think you should cut out a couple of the middle instances of that happening. I got you. And then you get toward, you get, you, you still get to say it towards the end. Like I said, once you see that it is day 190, whatever it is, and he's still saying that, mm. I get, I have gotten the point. And there are other ways to go about that too, without rehashing it for three minutes every single time they show up on screen. Where, you know, you could have the court reporter say something. Like, what did he say on this day? I have not had my lawyer today. He's doing gallbladder surgery. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's not my lawyer and all that. All the stuff. And just keep going over and over and over again. Uh, you could do that in kind of a montage in a way if you wanted to. It just felt like to me, I was like, every time we see this character, we're going to get the whole he doesn't have his lawyer with him. And he, and I agree, completely ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It wears, it, it. I guess if the point is to wear on you as much as it wore on them, mission accomplished. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and isn't there a time where the entire defendants, the, the seven, basically say, he doesn't have a lawyer, or, <laughs> yeah. he, or he has a lawyer. So Yeah, yeah they got to right. the point where they don't give a fuck about the contempt charge. They're just <laughs> yeah. like, you know. How many times oh, do we have to say this shit? Well, he I, even says to the jury at one point, right, that the only reason he's there is because they want a scary black man mm-hmm. uh, to make them look worse or which whatever, is which is pro- absolutely 100% true, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, there is uh, the in the real trial, he was bound and gagged for three days of God trial. Damn. Three days of trial. What year was this again? 68. Uh, 68, 68, I think, yeah. That's insane. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... It, again, you you can almost feel like Sorkin's like, guys, this thing was so crazy. I can't actually. It will it will seem stupid as a movie if I tell you how crazy this trial actually was. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can feel him like dialing it back to a more like acceptable place. But yeah, when you read about the real stuff, that judge was a piece of work, man. Man, it's there's crazy. a part like when you know Rylance is like he's like. We have a judge here that would, would getting away with things that you wouldn't get away with in Honduras. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he declares oh, and that the jury tampering part was really interesting too, where they're yeah. like, "Well, at least we've got juror whatever it was three and seven, and it's like, oh, they just happened to get Black Panther and threats. You know, that, that there that is a good little seed that he throws in there where he's where they said that they noticed that. Uh, she's reading James Baldwin and and then like, oh, it's it, it, I don't know how many minutes later, all of a sudden that juror is being thrown in mm-hmm. as a as a and and, you know, as she walks out, you know, he that that guy goes, keep reading James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. But like the problem is, is that she read it right in front of everybody. And so the, those guys were able to pick out, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, it's, <laughs> they're the ones in the wrong here. I don't want to make it uh, out to be that, that she is, um, uh, but they knew to pick her out. That's one that, uh, that I don't think is explained. It, it, it's certainly not uh, Gordon Levitt's uh, character that, that would do that Schultz, I should say. Yeah. Uh, but, but Hoffman confronts him. And so, or no, is it uh, Rylance uh, can confronts him he confronts and says, "I'm going to, I'm going to prove that you guys sent those letters." Doesn't seem like something that crew would have done. 
but well, it, but it I could think have. JC McKenzie. I think JC McKenzie's who JC McKenzie is another great character actor. I think he mm-hmm. was Thomas yeah. Moran. I think um I think he mostly confronts Helm. Yeah, he so ba- I, he basically says if if I find out you're you you did this, you'll see the other side of the the court system in he, a way you never. And you can tell, to. like at the mm-hmm. end, I mean, they make it very clear that the Thomas Moran character is more on the side of like the police and everything. Because yeah. you know, he after Joseph Gordon Levitt stands up, he's like, "What are you doing?" And then he leaves. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so yeah, he's like, "I'm not gay." <laughs> you never get me to admit that shit. Hey, you gotta gotta admit though, in In and Out, when Wilford Brimley says it, it's pretty hilarious. Oh, it is. I do like the In and Out's kind of funny. I'm sorry, but that part's not good. I like yeah. how uh not only how Chicago this movie is, but how South Side Chicago it is. Because they're in Hyde Park, which is a very different Chicago than uh, what you see, you know, normally with the magnificent mile and stuff like that, even in Grant Park, um, and it's it's funny they're they're going into the Museum of Natural or no 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 the Museum of Science and Industry, and that's where Jeremy Strong has that great dialogue. That's it. He and Hoffman, he and uh, Sasha Baron Cohen work so beautifully together in this movie. It's he's great. like, you know, I stared at that thing for forever. I didn't get anything. And he's like, that was an installation. It's not a fucking painting. Museum of Science and Industry. You were the time where he's like, now you don't know what to do with the egg, do you? He's like, no. <laughs> he's like, I can't figure out who my favorite is. I said Rylance, but now when we talk about Jeremy Strong, I'm like, no, no, he was really great. There's like, a perfect comedic moment where he's like, He's insulting Schultz. He's like, you sent this girl in to insuniate or whatever that is. And uh, Hoffman looks at him like, what? And he's like, to ensnare. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh, okay. Uh, I also thought that Hoffman, there's a couple of times where that London accent gets in there. But I think Mm -hmm. you get a really good Boston accent to to mimic uh, Hoffman, who seems like such an annoyingly magnetic dude. I would, I would yeah. have loved and hated to know this person in real well, life. That's the thing. You know, Sorkin does that, right? Like a lot of his character, like I mean, Daniel Caffey. I mean, a lot of his characters, like they're they're assholes, right? Yeah. But yeah. but they're still the smartest person in the room at times, you know. And I I, I I'm kind of curious if if Sorkin is that person because that's or thinks he's that. Maybe well, he loved his it's thing is pro- his thing is proficiency porn, man. Like he yeah. loves people being great at their job, no matter what their personality is. Like he loves proficiency, and I think maybe that's the the Judge Hoffman thing is Judge Hoffman was so anti that that he really you know wanted to portray that as much as possible, you know. So. Well, when you have that moment where Hoffman, like we talked about it earlier, where Hoffman is que- is ta- is is revealing what uh, what Hayden meant to say, and then he's like sitting there criticizing Hayden for like his use of pronouns or whatever it is, you feel like that Sorkin like getting out like some hostility he has towards grammar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, possibly my favorite line in the movie is, "You'll have to give me a second. I haven't been put on trial for my thoughts before." Uh, <laughs> it's delivered mm-hmm. so well. Yeah. It's so perfect. He calls uh, him friend. Yeah. Yeah. He says, yeah. I'm I mean, sorry, friend. friend. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I even rewatched care that, that part about three or four times. I swear to God. I don't I don't even really care if that's I know that there's no way courts proceed that way. Like I know there's no way like Hoffman would be allowed to keep talking about that Bible verse and stuff. Like they would have just shut him down. I mean, you know, he would have said not relevant or whatever. But um 
I love the way Sorkin writes courtroom scenes. I don't care if they're bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I just, I, mm-hmm. If he just did courtroom movies, I'd be fine. I yeah. mean, that's cool. No doubt. <laughs> or that or that moment where the entire uh, defense table is like overturned or whatever, or overruled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. And well, yeah, and and that's the thing, right? The you know, at this point, the judge realizes that the contempt thing doesn't even matter anymore. So yeah. like. Yeah. So like he he doesn't he doesn't uh, any he doesn't have any sort of like um, vigor to to keep handing them out because he knows that and it's not doing anything. So like uh, even when yeah. they all decide to sit down, except for Eddie Redmayne in that one scene, he's not even saying, "Oh wow, how disrespectful" or anything. He's just like, "Ah, you know what? Fuck it. You know I can't. <laughs> you know yeah. at this point, I don't have any real power at this point." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, why, probably one last question for you guys. Did you guys know anything about this case before you watched no. this movie? No, 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 nothing. I didn't either. And how did we not know this? <laughs> this, this is I had a lot it's lately, like man. That thing in Watchmen, though. It's like right. the, that the Tulsa, incident in the Tulsa race riots. Yeah. yeah, Black Wall Street. Yeah, I mean, that was obviously a lot worse than this. Sure. But yeah, but but I mean, it's just crazy the things we don't know about, the things that aren't taught. Um versus the things that are <laughs> sometimes uh what what we're gonna come out of this mini pod is is that five years from now i will be proven super wrong <laughs> <laughs> and and i will i will come up to people and say man that movie was way better than i gave it credit for i still gave it a b though that's true i yeah, gave you it did. a true yeah, I think uh, I think for me, just discussing it, it with you guys, I think what issues I do have with it outside of the ending are that these just feel like characters he's done many times before, even though they're real people, but they're still Aaron Sorkin is writing them, right? Mm-hmm. Like they just feel like even Mark Rylance, I mean, he's not Daniel Caffey, but like at the same time, it's one of those things where like, I don't know, it just, it feels kind of in that same vein. Like he's, and also the thing about the Rylance character that did kind of bug me at times is like, he's one of those characters that is like so well-spoken, like he doesn't even hesitate like he always knows what to say. I mean, that's sort <laughs> of characters, man. I, I get that, but it, but at times that does get a little like you know you're like I mean come on just like stumble over a word. I mean I will. N- I don't think I'll ever get tired of that. I I, I, I don't know. I love it. Tired so much. of it. I think yeah. it's just over the years I notice it more. Sure, sure. Um, in fact, I had I quit watching. Uh, I think West Wing was the one. I, I didn't make it all the way through West Wing because that started actually kind of getting on my nerves. Well, like neither just, did Sorkin. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's why too. Maybe that's what I love. But, um, um, but uh, yeah, well, it's okay. What did you guys think of, uh, of this movie? Go to Sincast presented by cinema sins on Facebook. We're also on cinema sins, Twitter, music video sins, Twitter. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're also on discord. If you want to get on Discord, go to uh, our Reddit page and find the link on the right side of the page there. Or you can go to Facebook and private message me and I can give you a link there. Uh, where can we find other uh, people, other fine people on this uh, podcast? Jonathan and I do a, a podcast with Danae Hughes. Uh, we are the B mm-hmm. team of Cinema Sins, and we do Behind the Sins. It oh, is I bet that's podcast. fun. 
Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Chris. Sounds real nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a great time. Uh, yeah. Every week hear- we break down the Cinema Sins videos from the week and uh, go a little bit behind the scenes at the Sins. I hear mm-hmm. the Sincast is a good podcast as well. I should. Uh, um, it isn't, but thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right. Uh, that's going to do it uh, for this mini pod. It's Chris Atkinson, Barrett Share, Aaron Dicer, and Jonathan Watkins. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I do like that whiplash poster. Yeah, yeah, man. I, don't, I, I still don't like the movie, but I like the poster. <laughs> it's a very nice poster. It makes me want to like the movie more. I love looking at it. How do you it's... not like Whiplash? That movie is so good. Oh, it just it drives me crazy. Oh, like I just man. I get it. It's the anxiety just, thing. Yeah, it yeah. does not. I Fair can't enough. take him yelling at him for two hours. It's too much. Fair enough. I just can't take it. I can appreciate it. Like I know it's a good movie, but I can't watch it. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I'm Abby Hoffman. I'm pretty sure that was a name I knew because well, yeah. the interesting thing for me when I heard the name Abby Hoffman was I knew this is way off, but like uh, I knew that Gabby Hoffman, the actress, um, she her mom was named Abby, and I thought when I heard Abby Hoffman, I thought, oh, is this possibly like a parent of hers but mm-hmm. i thought it was the mom so that's why i was i was like okay probably not but um but uh but yeah abby hoffman uh ended up writing a book called steal this book yeah i have uh, it yeah. yeah you have it <laughs> yeah um that apparently is uh difficult to uh know how many actually sold because of that <laughs> yeah they, they made uh, a movie about this with ben stiller and janine garofalo uh, oh, really? a long time ago yeah well a long time ago in the 90s Mm-hmm. Uh, that, it's a I long time ago now. It was a long time ago. I'm sorry, sorry to break the news to you. It's called the truth about cats and dogs. Yeah, it was 2000 <laughs> that it came out. And, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio, Janine Garofalo, um, and Gene Triplehorn. Kevin Pollack, Donald Logue. Boy, that's 90s as shit. Oh, well, that would make, that would make sense. Did Ben Stiller direct it, too? No, I no. don't know why I thought Ben because Stiller. That's, I guess a, that's a, a Ben Stiller show uh, grouping there. Yeah, yeah. Stiller, Stiller's and, not in it. And Stiller, yeah. oh, is Stiller not in it? No. I don't think so. No, I just thought about that because of the um, Janine Garofalo stuff. Oh, uh, okay. So who was the guy that was in it? Uh, it it's was Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio, D'Onofrio played him. Oh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Abby Hoffman. Yeah. Okay, because because if it was Ben Stiller, this Gene Triplehorn <laughs> was his old girlfriend, and Gene, Janine Garofalo was on <laughs> the Ben Stiller like show. A ben Stiller thing, doesn't it? it? Does <laughs> it does? Was yesterday good? Yeah, I liked it. No, I liked no, it a it's lot. Awful. It's horrible. You're crazy. <laughs> Are you being it's serious? Did you really not like it's it? It's a waste. It's such a waste of a good concept. It it makes no sense. Yesterday makes no sense. What are you talking about? You're crazy. The way they handle you're crazy, man. (laughs) I love you. I love you. (laughs) You're crazy. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkins. Well, I'm just gonna fuck this up every time I do. (laughs) It's just this week, man. It's just this week. Fuck this.